Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take in a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Anderson, and today we have Max Fleming and Ryder DeVoe online. This is super rad because we are going to be talking to you guys about water safety, and both these guys are amazing watermen. Max and Ryder, what is up? How's it going, guys? What's up, Kieran? Hey, Kieran, good stoked, to see you. Stoked to be here. So for the people that have not heard you guys' names or listened to the podcast before, Max and Ryder, where are you guys from? Hi, my name is Max Fleming from Dana Point, California, 23 years old, and uh, I love living salt life. I like it. And Ryder, what about you? Uh, my name is Ryder DeVoe. I'm 23 years old, and I'm from Encinitas, California, and Sweet. I grew up on the water. I like it. Yeah, both of these guys are amazing watermen. Max, you're still lifeguard to this day, and Ryder and I are prior lifeguards, and that is pretty much our main topic today, guys. If you guys are down to talk about that, we're going to be talking about water safety and uh, just the safety of uh, preparation going in the water and diving or surfing or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So both of you guys obviously are prior lifeguards. Max, are you still lifeguard, right? Yeah, that's correct. I'm a division leader for Orange County Lifeguards. Okay, rad. And and Ryder, you lifeguarded with me, obviously, in Encinitas. And uh, yep. <clears throat> it was a super fun time. Um, so just let's just get right into it then, if you guys are down with that. Let's, well, let's do it. Straight into some water safety and uh, the priorities that... Um, we face or talk to people about and getting into the water. And Max, I want to start with you just uh, yeah. because you still lifeguard, obviously, to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got a question for you, and, and it's going to sound like a weird question maybe for you, but we have people coming from all over the world to come visit the West Coast. We really do. Mm-hmm. It could be inland. It can be uh, living next to the beach, but don't swim a lot or some of the most experienced surfers in the world or uh, watermen in the world that go to your beach. And uh, what what do you do when you're talking to these people? If there's like crazy swell or crazy currents, what's your goal um, when you're talking to these people? Yeah, totally. Um, <clears throat> I think my approach to, you know, the answer to that question has changed a lot in recent years just through experience. But, um, you know, realizing that the beaches I work at I, I work at Salt Creek and Strands, as well as a couple of very beautiful coves in South Laguna um, with, you know, very nice resorts sitting right above the beaches, hanging over the cliffs. And, um, you know, with that, you have people coming from all over the world to visit these beaches, as well as people who may live right on those beaches and surf there every day or have to drive a couple hours to get there and only get out there a few times a year. So you have the people that have never seen the ocean before who are just experiencing waves and currents for the first time, uh, all the way up to people who experience this every single day. And um, learning how to, you know, see the, the key signs of who's entering the water and knowing how to approach that person and talk to them and say, hey, guys, this is what I'm seeing today down here every single day. And this is how I've noticed the currents changed, you know, from talking to someone who's experienced and just giving them a heads up, hey, paddle out over here. Don't paddle out over here, whatever it may be, versus, hey, uh, my name is Max. I'm a lifeguard. Uh, where are you from? Oh, great. You're from, you know, it could be XYZ that isn't by the water. And uh, just saying, okay, cool. Well, we're very happy to have you here today. And all I ask is that you swim over here. Here's why. And take a second to teach them and educate that person on, you know, why you want them to swim where you're asking them to, how to spot the danger areas, how to see if there's an inch or a hole. Or if there's, you know, waves breaking on a shallow sandbar, rip currents, um, you name it. Yeah, and, and that's something we face a lot here. And uh, Ryder and I obviously see, saw that a lot, and we still do. We're at the beach every day, but um, oh, really? rip currents are notorious around here, especially at Pono. I look at Pono, and there's a jetty at Pono, and the surf gets good there. Like, it really does when it's sucking out. But if you don't know how to swim well, you're not um fit for paddling against the current it it can be really dangerous and it's a ripping um <clears throat> a ripping tide out and that's what oh, makes yeah. the wave fun 
But um, <clears throat> Ryder, working for the city of Encinitas as a lifeguard, you've obviously seen some gnarly rip currents, right? Oh, totally, totally, yeah. Especially in the winter when there's a lot more swell, you can really, really see a, a good amount of them for sure. Yeah, and I, I think that the easiest way I can put this for everybody listening in right now, um, I don't know if you are on the water every day or not, but when you see a lot of waves and there's one spot where it looks like there's no waves, that's probably the worst place to swim because it's just pulling out. It's literally just ripping out and that's what's causing the waves to not break there. And I think as lifeguards, that's probably the hardest thing to watch is when people get in the water right there. It really is. And you guys would probably agree with that one. Oh, totally. Yeah. I. It's funny. I had this saying early on in my lifeguarding career is people create rip currents. Yeah. Just because, you know, every time you see a group of 30 people go out and they all go in the water together and all of a sudden there's a massive rip and you're like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, then, but, but then we're like frothing up. We're like, oh, this is so sick, dude. We're going to get in the water. Like, you know us, like we're just like, I don't care if it's two foot or 20 feet. I'm still frothing to go in the water and yeah, yeah, help totally. somebody out. So and it's cool. It's cool too, to bring them back to the beach and get them on the water, get them a couple breaths and just be like, all right, dude. So this is why you don't swim there. And explain that. To and you were talking about inshore holes, Max. Give us a little, give us a little, uh, little bit about that. I just want to talk about that. Yeah. So let's talk about how the bottom contour affects how rip currents form. Yep. So the way a rip current forms is you have a beach, and that beach has waves crashing on it constantly. All that water is constantly getting pushed up towards the sand. And it has nowhere else to go. And so <clears throat> that water will find the path of least resistance to go back out to sea. And usually that's when it meets up with either a jetty or an inshore hole between two sandbars. So that little deep area right there provides a perfect pipeline for all that high pressure water on the inside to then rush back out to the outside. So if you look at you know the shape of a rip current from the from above, it has the feeder which is kind of like a big triangle, the neck, which is the long part that pulls you way out to sea, and it has the head, which is like a mushroom cloud, essentially. It's, it's like a, it looks like a nuclear explosion kind. And so that's typically going to be the deepest part of the water. Um, and then on the side, it's going to be those shallow sandbars. So yep. the easiest way to get out of a rip current is to swim parallel shore. Because it's going sideways. Mm-hmm. And what's kind of funny is, is bringing it back to the, the people cause rip currents uh, analogy I was using is turns out people actually do cause rip currents. When you have a group of 30 people all walk out into the water at the same time, it's basically doing the same thing that intro hole is doing. So that intro hole where the waves break on the sandbar and it pushes into the sand, into the sand and it comes together and goes back out through the intro hole, that group of 30 people, those waves are breaking around them. And as those waves break around them, the water comes together behind them and it creates a small eddy. And then eventually that eddy sucks in the water that's high pressure closer to the sand behind them and it just pushes its way back out. Back out, yep. And so it pretty much so jump starts like you jump start a car, uh, a rip current. Yeah. And so you've you've probably seen a lot of those things, dude. And especially especially in the summertime when it's just fully packed here. It it gets crazy for sure. Uh, both of you guys, I've got questions for both of you. Obviously, we have a whole list of stuff that we can go over. Um, Ryder and Max, though, um, this question is a great one. And Ryder, I want to start with you because um, I think that you probably have something good to say on this one. But uh, both of these guys, obviously, spearfish, free dive, surf every day. They're in the water every single day. But Ryder, what is a situation that you've had in the past where you had to think water safety and it just clicked in your head right away? Totally. Uh, a few years ago, and uh, maybe a little more than a few years ago, in the Bahamas with Cam Kirkconnell, we were diving this this reef in about 75 to 80 feet of water, and there was a few nice groupers on the bottom, and we were all super focused on like trying to shoot these grouper. So, like you know, we were just making dives, trying to trying to line up on one of these fish, um, and Cam was up on the boat, um, just 
keeping an eye on us. And he, he happened to, well, he, he saw this big yacht kind of coming straight at us and the boat didn't see us. And most of us were focusing on trying to shoot these grouper. And, and um, luckily Cam was able to notice that big boat kind of heading in our direction. And he put himself um, in between us and the boat. Um, so, you know, it's just, it just shows Cam, like he, he's super good at, you know, putting fish on the boat and everything. But at the end of the day, he's really focusing on safety. And yeah. Cam's also super good at this because he, he's been doing it for decades and he takes a lot of people diving. And um, so he, he really has a really good understanding of keeping or how to keep people safe in the water above and below, you know, um, if it's boats, sharks, anything, you know, so. So he literally swam between the boat and where you guys were to try to get yeah. attention. No, no. What, what he did was he, he was on our boat, our chase boat, and he, he went in between oh, okay. uh, yep. the boat and us. So the boat either was going to straight up just run him over or they're going to have to divert and they diverted at the last second. But it, it got close because, I mean, we, there's a lot of fish on that reef and we, we, there's, there's wind. So we couldn't really see, you know, that far cause we were bobbing up and down in the water. So in where most of our focus was on that fish. So uh, you really, everyone should be paying a lot of attention up, yeah. like above the water as well. But, um, especially when there's something down there, good, you, you want to make sure someone's looking, you know, man, that's super like, sketchy. It's, it's always good to have people looking out. Totally. And I always say like, if you're with two people, that's great. But if you're with four people, that's better. Because yeah. more eyes in the water, that's better. And uh, that just goes back to water safety as well. But Max, what about you? You've obviously probably had to click into safety or clicked in safety in your mind before. Yeah, I mean, it. It sadly it happens more often than you think. And most of the time, it's, you know, just random medical calls. I'm sure, you know, you know, being an EMT as well, there's so many instances that you're just walking down the street or driving your car and all of a sudden screech, boom, something bad happens. Yeah. Being able to be there and, you know, uh, do your part before the first responders show up and take over it, you know, it could save somebody's life, but in the water. Yeah. It, it's so easy to click into lifeguard mode. I mean, surfing, even you see someone goes over the falls and hits their head or, uh, kid gets sucked down rip current you pass on your board and uh just wait for the lifeguard to get out to you and have them swimming back in so you can keep surfing um yeah it i haven't had any specific let me let me think about this yeah because i i feel like it's hard for us to think about that because it hap it really does happen often where yeah. we and it's kind of in the back of our minds that safety is the priority like when i go surf big waves or i surf any day doesn't matter if it's big waves, but I literally think about safety all the time. Yeah. And it, like the other day I was surfing out in Encinitas and my legs started cramping up and I was just like, I got to go in. This is not safe. Like I had two Charlie horses and of course, like I'm so competitive against myself. I'm like, oh, I'm going to rub them out. I'm going to go surf again. Like whatever. So I rubbed them out and I went out there and I caught a couple waves and I literally smacked my head so hard on the water, dude. Like trying to do a floater on this section and it just did not work out for me. I was like, all right, that's it. I'm done. And I sh still shouldn't have went back out. But the safety that we have in the back of our mind, even little things like that, we're like, okay, cool. Today's not my day to surf uh, Toto Santos, like rider or whatever. Oh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to run safety. Or Max is like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to run safety. doesn't matter. We, we are always thinking safety. And so it's hard for us to think about those situations that we've had because we are always thinking about that. No, to totally. And, and another thing, kind of like what you're saying is if you have a super long session and the waves are big or you're at the end of a long dive and you're like, oh, I could probably get a couple more dives in. It's not always the best idea because yeah. you always hear those stories of even people snowboarding. It's like one last run, they go off a jump and break their back. Same kind of thing with diving and surfing. Like, you know, there's, there's, you just, you just got to know when to call it quits, especially when you're tired, dehydrated, like had a good dive, just pack it up, um, head in, drink some water. And, uh, there's always another day to go diving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would you guys say that are some of the top priorities when facing the water? Definitely know the conditions before you go out, sit there for a second and watch the surf before you paddle out. Because, uh, even this last swell I was working and you know, it was, it was pumping. Um, but it was a very long period West swell which means there's very long lulls in between sets. So you could be sitting there. Like I showed up to my shift and I was like, man, this, this swells a dud. Like, what, surf line, come on, you know? Yeah. And then 
you know, 20 minutes into my shift, I see the set come through. I was like, whoa, that was, that was pretty crazy. But it was every 20 minutes, you know, sometimes 45 minutes for these sets to come through. So, you know, reminding people as they're walking down the hill to go set up camp for the day and go out and swim with their kids. You're like, hey, hey, hey hang on. Before you go out, wait another 20 minutes. I'm sure you're going to see a set come through and you're probably going to second guess swimming out today. Yeah. All right. And um, yeah, definitely checking the conditions is big. Um, I know for me at the beginning of every one of my shifts, I like to go swim out and body surf a little bit, feel it. And, um, you know, understand, okay, current's coming from this direction. All right. There's some submerged rocks right here. I didn't notice yesterday. That's kind of new. Um, and, uh, you know, it really gives you a better idea as to uh, what you're going to expect for the rest of the day. Or even, you know, if you go out to go surf, take your time getting out there. Use yeah. the current to go out and, uh, you know, kind of check things out a little bit. I think that's a huge one, too, is <clears throat> you utilizing the current to your, for the mm-hmm. conditions that are at, uh, at your face, honestly. Like, if you think about it, you go to, like, Ocean Beach, San Francisco. And that place takes literally, like, an hour to paddle out at sometimes because it's just so gnarly. It gets so big. And even for me, like I feel like I can read the water super well, mm-hmm. but I've had multiple times where I get there and I read it and I'm like, Oh dude, this set's coming in. All right, cool. There's going to be a rip current right here. And so I'll follow the rip out and the rip will start going. And then all of a sudden another set comes and then I just get smoked by a bunch of waves. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm on the beach again. And then <laughs> I have to try to paddle out again. I just try to paddle out for 20 minutes. So looking at the conditions, looking at where the rip currents are, looking at um, where the inshore holes are, you know, anything like that is super important, especially for um, when it comes into advanced surfing too, because there are so many circumstances that you can get out. You definitely can make it out. And Mm -hmm. and I would say it's easier to swim out than it is to paddle out in certain circumstances. And I I truly believe that. Um, I, I used to never use the rescue board lifeguarding because I just, always knew that I could swim out. I don't care if it's 20 foot or three feet. Like yeah, I will literally, you can, literally swim, under you can swim under any way. Yeah. Yeah. Super hard. Right. So yeah. knowing that too, and, and knowing what your tools are that you have and, um, for advanced surfers or advanced people out there, it's really important to look at those conditions. When you have a big swell, look at those conditions, look at the sandbars, look at where the rip currents are, because you can utilize those negativities for one person to your advantage. For sure, hundred totally. percent. And Ryder, you you probably did that lifeguarding all the time. Like I I remember like making rescues and swimming out in a rip current, and people are like, "What the heck? Why is that guy like swimming out in the rip current?" You know, like in yeah. my lifeguard academy, literally in my lifeguard academy, we we had to do like a mile run and a mile swim. Yep. And so we we ran the mile, and I'm so bad at swimming. Just so you guys know, like I I really <laughs> am. Like I can swim. I I don't care how big it is. I'll swim, but. I'm I'm not the fastest swimmer. I'm not. Yeah, totally. I'm not anyway. You're a strong swimmer. Yeah. You're a total strong swimmer. But yeah, the, the exactly. The yeah. Is, yeah. And well, it's, well, because we're surfers, we're not competitive swimmers. You know. Exactly. Yep. And so there was a crazy rip current going out, and we had to do a mile swim. And I was like, "Oh, yep. dude, this sucks so bad. Oh my god!" Like, this is <laughs> but I literally saw this rip current going out, and I was like, "Oh, dude, I'm gonna just take this thing out." And I literally was just oh, yeah. bypassing people, and I was like, "Oh, this is sick." So I got out to the buoy. And then everybody just started passing me. Anyways, I ended up getting like second to last in the swim, but it was all good, dude. It was super rad. And I used like very minimal energy because of that rip current. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I use that as a tool. So you can utilize those as your tools. And I think that's something for everybody to take into consideration, especially oh, totally. when paddling out in um, bigger surf or maybe you're diving the kelp patties that are close to shore or whatever. I mean, sometimes we get patties that are close to shore. so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Especially if, if you're a beginner surfer, conserving your energy and not getting pummeled all the way out to the lineup, yep. your confidence is going to be better once you get out there. Yep. You're going to be able to breathe normally. You're going to be able to be calm and cool and say, all right, this is my way. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to catch it. Um, instead of getting out there, huffing and puffing, going, oh my gosh, I almost just died. Yeah. <laughs> Why did I sign up for this? Like, I don't want to yeah. surf anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely. That's, that's the good part about learning to surf either, you know, through a camp or through one of your friends who does it normally is they can teach you, Hey, this is, this is how you want to get out. 
This and is just, the to take. And and starting in smaller waves too is huge. It, exactly. Totally. Yeah. Don't don't go in over your head. Don't let your buddy talk you into paddling out at <laughs> you know eight foot blacks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> First yeah. time. Uh, yeah. Have someone who's level headed who knows how to surf and understands. Okay. I got to go with baby steps here. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and another thing I want to cover real quick. Um, when you're kind of learning how to surf, uh, when you're paddling out, even when the, when the waves are small, you don't want to paddle right behind someone. Because um, if they ditch their board, that's going to hit you straight in the head. Exactly. And that's yeah. just situational awareness. And also you want to make sure you know where your board's going to go. If you're ditching it, you don't want to yeah. hit someone. Because that it could cause some pretty serious lacerations. And, you know, you just you got to be careful and watch where everything is. So, yeah. Hundred <clears throat> percent. I do. This topic is so rad for me because I used to never think about safety, like ever. And now, obviously, we're getting older and we think about the consequences. And we've had friends that have either passed away from. Uh, look at look at our buddy Blake Ryder. He passed away. He was surfing, and um, obviously that was a freak accident. But it's just you think about those moments. And you're like, what could we have done? really like what could we have done and, and we have that in our in our past or, or the classes we've taken and i i really do encourage every single person that's listening into this podcast to go take uh an emr class or an emt class or first responder class or whatever you can take just to to get that tool behind you and i wish that was like a, a prerequisite to oh, yeah. graduate mm-hmm. high school or something because it's very very important i'll share i'll share a story with you guys i was up in oregon they're running the Nell Scott Reef Pro. And uh, you guys know me. I'm, I'm frothing at all times. Like I'm oh, yeah. running on 100 cylinders. Like That's just me. So I woke up. It was like 530 in the morning. Um, jet skis were in the water at like 6 a.m. And I was just, oh, I'm out there. I'm going to be the first one out. So and it was it was pretty decent size. So I got a ski ride out there. The guy that was driving the ski went in. I was by myself out there. And another guy was coming out to run safety. Literally before he got out there, I was paddling into a wave. Like luckily he was only like hundred yards away. I don't really remember because I kind of blacked out in this moment, but I got a wave, I free fell and I got a two wave hold down. I tried to pull my vest. Don't remember anything besides getting on the jet ski. And this is even before the contest. So I was on the back of the ski and he's like, dude, oh my goodness. Like, are you okay? Like that was so gnarly, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm, I just got to be good for the heat. Like, that's all I care about. And I didn't, I wasn't thinking safety in my head at all. Like yeah. I should not have paddled in that way. There was nobody out there. Like, even though that guy was there, I didn't know that he was coming out there. Like, I just wanted to surf. Like I was just frothing, dude. Like, and I, I think a lot of it for me has to do with like, there's cameras on the beach. There's people watching. Like, this is super cool. This is a good experience, right? Like we want to prove ourselves. And mm-hmm. What I, what I take away from that is no wave is that important. Like no oh. wave, no dive, no uh, free dive. Nothing is that important. You always need safety there, no matter what it is. There, there's no point in catching that wave or landing that big fish if you're not going to make it home at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's that's our number one thing right now is talking why this is so important and it it really is and i I love talking to you guys about this too because you guys are both great watermen but um so you guys both lifeguard what let me let me ask you this This it's going to be a really really weird question but what are some crazy lifeguard stories you have for us gosh i'll start i got a funny one i was a rookie um i had just started lifeguarding and they always said tide booking where you like write your phone number on the tide book and give it to a girl. <laughs> it was the last tide book in the, the thing. And I gave it to a girl and I was like, Hey, here's my phone number. Let's, let's go hang out and surf sometime. She's like, okay, cool. Sounds good. She never texted me by the way. But um, nice. anyways, the next day on the radio, they're like, Hey, we're out of tide books at D street. And I was just in my tower, just thinking to myself like, Oh no, dude, I just ran out of tide books. Cause I was tide booking these chicks. <laughs> Oh my These God. girls, dude, I was like, this is so bad right now. Oh, it's so bad, dude. I felt so bad. And then ended up, a bunch of the people ended up finding out. And it was just, I got roasted for it, dude. It's so funny. That's pretty <laughs> good. So for both of you guys, what is the craziest lifeguard story you have? Oh, man. 
I, I actually have a really, really good one. And this one is legit and super gnarly. So we were talking about conditions earlier mm-hmm. um, and knowing the ocean and everything. But also, I would say the sun is very, very gnarly. You get a glare. that You cannot see the ocean. Mm-hmm. And if your kids are in that glare or your um, family or what, whatever it is, your friends are in that glare and they're getting sucked out, you will not see them. Um, I was at North Tower. Router, you know that place. North Torture. It is so gnarly. It sucks. But it's super fun. Anyways, there was a lady swimming at, what is that, Cottonwood Creek? Cottonwood Creek right there? Yep. There was a lady swimming uh, at this uh, rip current that's always flowing. Like, it's just always going. And uh, she was outside the outside the break. And I just didn't even see her at all. Like, the glare was so gnarly, dude. And uh, dispatch came on the radio and they're like, North Tower, there's a girl in front of you that's way far out. And I was like, uh, do you guys have eyes on her? Like, where is she at? I'm trying to look at that it. Drops what? Where? Huh? Yeah, dude, I was so scared. My gut was just gone. And I was yeah. brand new. I was a rookie lifeguard. And I'm like, oh, yeah, dude, like, I know the water, but like, I can't see her. Um, so I ended up going. I was like, okay, I'm going to go. And I got out to her and I was like, oh, my goodness, dude, this is so gnarly. I didn't see where she was. I didn't see her at all. By the time I brought her in, she was like, I thought I was going to drown. Like she literally was bad, like really bad. So that yeah. was probably one of my gnarliest stories with lifeguarding. But also the fact that the sun is also part of the conditions. But I, I learned from that, right? Like there's techniques, dude. like there's so many techniques, like putting your eyes over the, the binos and like making little gaps you can see farther and all that stuff. And uh, where, making sure you wear sunglasses and all that stuff. but yeah, dude, that that one from you was pretty scary. But I want to hear you guys talk about this because you guys probably have some gnarly ones too. Yeah, I I have one. This happened um, last summer. It was a crazy busy day. You know those days when it just seems like you know all the stars line up and the gods are just like screw the lifeguards today. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was one of those days. So we had, we had had a drowning that morning. Um, that was on um, for us. In South Laguna, we work in remote coves. So yeah. the beaches, there's there's one way up, one way down. It's a staircase. Each one of them has around 200 steps. Um, and, you know, we have guards stationed at the towers. And we have people like me who are driving the trucks and we're EMTs. Uh, we have, you know, incident command training. We have higher medical knowledge. We know how to, um, you know, stabilize a patient better until we can get paramedics there and a helicopter to air them out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Let's just, okay. The day was nuts. Started off with the drowning. Um, We had two more water inhalations at two different beaches. Um, One of them was a six-year-old girl. It it was the, I don't know what it was, current, the the waves. It was hot enough that people were trying to get in the water. You were telling them, no, please don't. And um, yeah, it was just a mess of a day. And uh, I remember... At the end of the day, um, there is this rookie lifeguard who was so fired up. We call him the golden boy, <laughs> Sean Goldsmith. Um, and he is like froth levels up to here, always asking questions, wants to learn. Like, oh, how do you do this? Oh, what happens if this happens? And so I was like, dude, hop in the truck with me. Like, come on, let's go. And I ended up running uh, two more paramedic calls with him. And he was so stoked, like over the moon. And um, at this point, the sun had set. We're, we just cleared a call, and uh, <laughs> we're taking all the radios, and we're going to bring it back over to where we charge them. And uh, a nine one call comes out of nowhere. A sixteen year old kid jumped off a thirty five foot cliff, and uh, was trying to cliff jump into the water. Yeah, and he had missed and landed on accident. Um, that's just another one of those examples of check the conditions know what you're getting yourself into yeah. and don't jump don't jump off cliffs and rocks oh, he dude. had done it from what he told me multiple times before but seasons change the direction of the swell changes and it pushes sand around tides in different change. ways tides change as well yeah tides change a lot and <laughs> yeah he he landed in about six inches of water and hit hard pack Ooh. sand and oh, um gosh. yeah yeah bilateral tib fib compound fractures wow which both of his feet were 
down, his bones and his leg were sticking straight out. Oh, gosh. Compound fracture of his left arm. And he, um, you know, had a couple of broken vertebrae as well. Um, but he was alive and conscious and talking to me when we got there on scene or we first on scene. And I was like, hey, dude, what's going on? You jump off the cliff, and he's like, "What do you think?" And I was like, "Okay, yep, I found him. It's right here." Like, yeah, come on. Wow. Um, but yeah, long story short, he's okay. Um, from what I've heard, he's getting back in the water soon, starting to surf again. So, yeah, wow. yeah, the good ending. Wow, that's insane, Ryder. Do you have any uh, stories that can go up to that one? No. No, not, 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 well, hold on. I, I got a good one, and it's it's actually funny because I wasn't even working that day. My dad and I were in mainland Mexico um, fishing off of a canoe, but this was the most critical rescue I've ever been a part of. But and, but also also you know, being a lifeguard is every single day. Like no, totally. We, we talk about being a lifeguard, but it's our days off that the stuff really happens. Mm-hmm. Totally, because I mean. Yeah, I'll, I'll get into that after the, I finish the story. But yeah, um, so we were in mainland Mexico fishing, and we were on this little tiny canoe, super tippy, with a tiny little outboard on there. It's like a two horse Honda or something. And we were supposed to go earlier that day, and it was a holiday, so the beaches were super crowded down there in mainland Mexico, um, and there wasn't any lifeguards on, like on duty anywhere. Um, and a lot of these people are coming from inland Mexico, Mexico City, and they're going into the water with their clothes on. Um, and they're, they're not super aware of how rip currents work or any of that. And so, um, we we're out there fishing and we're trolling around for little mackerel. And, um, my dad spots this, this guy in, in this rip, like, I don't know, probably hundred feet off the beach, but it's one of those beaches where it gets super, super deep quick. So it's kind of like they're getting sucked out and he was, he was in trouble. Like he was seriously in trouble, full climbing the ladder, everything. Um, and nobody was around him. Um, nobody was around him. It was a really good spot for my dad. And I mean, our canoe only went like one knot. So we're, we're going as fast as we can over there. My dad's grabbing one of the life jackets we had. And I, my job was just driving the canoe, but my dad was the one who was jumping in the water and, and, um, he jumped in, we got to this guy, like it was, it was close, you know, it was really close. And, and, uh, the first thing my dad tried to do was push him the flotation device and that the guy grabbed onto my dad and he was like trying to bring him down. The guy was like probably 250 pounds like this. He was a big boy. Yeah. And this guy was crying, like screaming, like freaking out. Like, and then he was getting to the point where he was like, having, like he, he was like losing all his energy and he was kind of getting slower and trying to cling onto my dad. And, um, he was able to get off like the guy away from him and get him to hold onto the life jacket. But you know even with a life jacket you're, and you're freaking out, you're, you're kind of like going under. So he had to really yeah. make it clear to this guy, like you need to calm down and you need to take a deep breath so you can be buoyant with this life jacket. And he was able to drag the guy into the beach. And once they got into about two feet of water, my dad got up and the guy literally couldn't even stand up. He was so tired. So he had to yeah. drag this guy onto the sand. And um, I was just sitting there watching from the canoe and the guy was just sitting there and you could tell he was, de- he was defeated. And, and, uh, um, when my dad got back out, he was telling me like the guy was just like, didn't even know what to do. He thought he was dead. Um, yeah. there was a little bit of a language barrier, but my dad could tell like just from the little bit of Spanish he knows, and, and, stuff, yeah. and the guy's body language, he was like, he didn't even know what to say. He cried when he got to the beach. He, he was trying to speak his best English to my dad saying, thank you. And, and, uh, we, he, my dad jumped back out, swam out to the canoe. We got in, we were kind of going in and the guy was just, we looked back 10 minutes later and the guy was still hadn't moved, just sitting there staring at us, you know? Yeah. That's so, insane. That, was, that was a heavy one. That's a good but, one. But it's, it's crazy too, because you're utilizing the tools you have, like rider, especially for that story right there. Like you had a canoe and you had a life vest, like you're using the most common sense to go rescue someone. And that just shows what kind of waterman you are. And you too, Max, like you guys can utilize any tool that you have with you to help somebody out. And that's mm-hmm. super, super cool to see. Um, what do you guys think that for the people listening in right now, if they want to become a lifeguard, what should they expect and where can they start? It's a good totally. question for you, Max. Yeah. Um, so starting out lifeguarding, I mean, it's one thing if you are, so for us, our hiring standards are you have to be at least 16 years old um, and you have to pass the physical requirements. Uh, so let's say you're under 16, you really want to be a lifeguard and you turn 16. Find a junior lifeguard program near you. 
junior lifeguards, even if you don't want to be a lifeguard, even if you just want to go learn how to be safer at the beach or understand the ocean better or get better at surfing, junior lifeguards is the best thing for a kid that lives near the beach. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I did junior lifeguards um, growing up, and I think it's definitely the reason why I became a lifeguard today. But I remembering like going to the beach with my friends, being 14, 15 years old, feeling all like, oh, yeah, we're all, we can go to the beach. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. It's so true, though. I, yeah. I remember those days, too. The, the froth of, you know, having a little bit of independence, yeah. going down there and just watching all of us get in over our heads. Yeah. But being the one who has a little bit of experience saying, hey, guys, wait a second. We're in a rip current right now. Yeah. We're getting sucked out. And looking at the beach and seeing the lifeguard running through knee-deep water out towards us like, oh, yeah, I did exactly what they told me not to do. Hey, guys, we must go this way. And then yeah. realizing, okay, we got us all out of here. You just you might have saved one of your friends' lives right there. I, yeah. That's huge. So if you're under 16, join a junior lifeguard program. If you're yeah. over 16 or if the requirement near you is 18 years old, start working out. Start swimming. Surf. Um, be Get familiar with the ocean. Um, and, you know, get your endurance up, get your cardio up. Um, and a, the, and a lot of, a lot of places do, do require a swim or actually pretty much everywhere requires a swim. And what, what, what's your guys' swim test? What do you do? So for us, it's a, it's a 500 meter swim, okay. quarter mile run, 500 meter swim, quarter mile run. Wow. Um, the swim, the first swim and run is completed in under 10 minutes. Yep. Um, and the entire event is under 25. Um, but for tryouts, we only accept the top, it depends, it's either top 30 or 40 that finish. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's also with no wetsuit, no fins. And so, do you guys, do, I know our agency requires um, having, what is it, e, uh, EMR, EM, Emergency yeah. Medical Responder or whatever, like a first responder yeah. certificate? That For us, it definitely helps to have on your resume getting yeah. hired. Um, but we actually teach EMR in-house in the academy. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. So it's the first half of our training academy. Um, you know, we'll start with our morning PT. We'll be at the beach for two hours doing that. The rest of the day is in the classroom uh, learning EMR skills. And I, I think a lot of agencies are starting to do that because Encinitas started doing that too, Ryder. Um, they had their actual, they had their own in-house academy for lifeguard academy yeah. and also EMR, which is super rad. CD mm -hmm. Encinitas is an amazing place to work. All agencies are great. I mean, we really are so lucky to live on the West coast and have these jobs. Like it's insane. Totally. And it, it just teaches us something new every single day too. It's insane. What's crazy too. I mean, I'm newly in a management position. Um, and being able to see things working behind the scenes yeah. in lifeguards is really interesting. So seeing how we're looking at, um, you know, data and seeing how, okay, every year our beach population increases by about 200,000 people every year and realizing, okay, social media, um, YouTube, TikTok, all these things that are, you know, amazing socializing platforms are blowing up these beautiful beaches for us. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, we're getting overrun with people who are, you know, discovering new area tide pools or a new cave or whatever yeah. it may be down there that all of a sudden is this huge attraction that everyone wants to come down and see yeah um so learning how to adjust for that from a water safety perspective and a coverage perspective you know okay this year we're going to have to add two additional towers and they're going to have to be from this time of year to this time of year yeah um, we have the you know the most protection of this stretch of water possible Dude, it's that is so true and it's so crazy to me like People, when they think of lifeguards, they think of like, what's the movie called? Baywatch. Yeah. Baywatch. Baywatch. They think of Baywatch. Old type people. But dude, lifeguarding is so gnarly. It can be so gnarly. And like for us, Ryder, I'm on that the CAD system for our lifeguard agency and I get dispatched to stuff all the time, chest pains and all this stuff, you know, medical aids. And Max, you're, you're really into medical stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we get this, even you, you get, you were just talking about how you get dispatched to paramedic calls all the time. And it's so true. If there is not an ambulance that is close by or a fire truck that's close by, it is us. And yeah. if, 
And if even if we're closer than an ambulance, we're still going to get dispatched. Like that's just how how it works. Like you know, we're, we're closest. So there's mm-hmm. so much that goes into it, and so much that um, you can learn from this. And that's why I'm saying that if you just take an EMR class or EMT class or whatever it is, CPR class, whatever it is, you know, you learn from just that little thing. It's very important. And I think that's super, super important for everybody to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And also like having that knowledge kind of reminds you yourself like, okay, anything can happen at any moment. Anything can happen at any moment. Yeah. Is what I'm doing right now going to end up good for me or people around me? Like I've had a lot of moments where like I'm rider, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of realized like, okay. Um, I'm getting in a little over my head. Time to stay, take a step back. Yeah. You know, or like seeing someone and be like, Hey buddy, like you're standing on a ledge, like hang on. They're like, Oh yeah. Well, thanks dude. Just yeah. you know, kind of situational awareness. I think it's huge. Yeah. So boys, free diving is super gnarly. Um, both of you guys dive deep. Both of you guys spearfish all the time. Um, when you're free diving, what are your main concerns? And Ryder, we were diving the other day. And I was asking you a lot of questions and Max, if we dive together soon, like I'm going to ask you a lot of questions because I'm still a novice to diving. I can dive, I can go for lobster, but when it comes to like spearfishing and stuff, you guys obviously are superior to me. And that's what I love about you guys. No, seriously. Like I love that about you because you guys, I can hold my breath, whatever. I can hold a gun and hold my breath and whatever, but I always ask questions. So what what are the main concerns that you guys have free diving? I, I really want to know that. Ready to go? Yeah, sure. Um, obviously, from a safety aspect, um, main concerns. If you're going diving with two buddies, you want to make sure you and the two buddies make it back to the boat or the beach, right? So um, just constantly knowing. You want to know where your buddy is at all times, right? Yeah. Especially if you're doing if you have, if you're diving with one buddy. You, you guys should be popping your head up every couple seconds. If you're in shallow water and you're not really diving, if you're just kind of scavenging, you want to make sure, like we were doing the other day, we're in like four feet of water. We're not, yeah. we're just looking for flat fish on the bottom, right? We're not really yeah. diving. So, and you can't, you're not doing one of one down because you're not diving, right? Yeah. So that, that kind of stuff, you're, you're just, you're, you're constantly just making sure you know where your buddy is. And we were constantly like going next to each other that day. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, uh, yeah. So if, if you are diving, like actually trying to shoot fish like deep or whatever, like past, if you're, if you're, if you're punching dives, um, you're going to want to have your buddy watching you. So, uh, you dive, your buddy's on the surface waiting for you to come up, right? He meets you on the, you meet him on the surface, you guys lock eyes, make sure it's all good. And then you start following your buddy, right? And you're going to do the same for him. Um, so obviously knowing where your buddy is at all times, yeah. um, situational awareness, Boats, watching out for boats coming by. You don't want to get ran over for a boat uh, by a boat. That's a big one. Diving anywhere in the world, there's a lot of people with boats, and when the sun um, is in a bad position, they will not be able to see you, no matter how big your float is. So, you always you're always wanting to look around and listen, right? If you hear a boat coming, pop your head up immediately, and you got to figure out where this boat is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having a plan. Obviously, you want to have a plan going out. Um, this is what we're doing. We're, we're both going to be together. If we get separated, this is where we're going to meet up. Um, you know, you, you want to know, like if there's like, if you're on a boat, you have your first aid kit, your radios, your backup radio, your sea anchor, you know, you just, anything that can go wrong will go wrong at some point. Um, yeah. so you, you, you just, you just want to be prepared. Um, mm-hmm. anything you want to add to that, Max? Uh, I think you covered almost everything. Um, yeah, dude, you crushed that one preparedness is is huge yeah you know having the right equipment is in that as well so yeah. making sure you have a wetsuit that's warm enough yeah um, you know making sure you always have a dive knife on you i can't even tell you how many times i've gotten tangled up in kelp or i know you did so not like oh crap thankfully every time that i've like really gotten stuck i've been scuba diving and i can take a second and be like okay i'm gonna cut myself out here I'm going to get my arm through here. But when you're running low on air and you're holding your breath and you're free diving, you're going to want to know, okay, this is my dive knife. This is where I keep it. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to cut here, here, and I'm going to get out and swim up. 
Dude, that's so funny you got, you're talking about that right now because Ryder, the other day, you were like, dude, you got to get a different dive bag because my dive bag really is like pretty old. Like, yeah, it still has like a steel like clip on it. And like, Ryder has a super nice one that's like you can swim through grass all day long. Mine's going to yeah, get caught up. Yeah. So after you said that, I'm like, oh boy, like that's, oh, I want to get it because it's newer, but also because safety behind it right because yep. that thing can go through anything and it's not going to get caught up so that's just those little preparedness items that i can mm-hmm. think about now and that's why i love diving with you guys or hanging out with you guys because you're always constantly influence me influencing me to get newer items or um a better dive knife like you said max or whatever mm-hmm. it is um and that's super super important and speaking of um we were talking about like being prepared for an incident, right? So yeah. Ryder and Max, both of you guys were on the boat together when Ryder jumped in with the shark, right? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I just, one of the questions I have from you guys, and this is a really funny one because Ryder, you're crazy, man. But um, <laughs> what would you say to do when you are in that circumstance, obviously, Ryder, you chose to jump in with this shark, and we should, we're going to get into that story real quick. But mm-hmm. if you do come up to a shark or um, wildlife in the ocean, what's the best thing to do? Max? Okay. Knowledge and preparedness. We're coming back to this. So when we first spotted that shark, Instantly, we both went, oh my gosh, a basking shark. Okay, so you guys knew. Yeah, so from the surface, we saw the fin, we're like, oh, basking shark, incredible. Yeah. Yeah, so a little backstory. That actually, a basking shark is like an animal I've wanted to swim with for years. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. I've gotten to swim with orcas and a few other crazy fish. um, But basking shark is an amazing animal that I've been looking for for a long time. I was a little bit excited and we like... I don't know, in the video, we kind of just like went for it. Um, but we did calculate. <laughs> there, there was a lot of lead up. To that yeah. It wasn't okay. just like, woo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Got it. You know, we knew what was going to happen. Um, but like to answer your question, you should respect the animal. You should, you know, keep your distance. Be calm. Be calm. Um, yeah. You know, just respect the animal. Do you, do you guys think that panicking makes it a lot worse? Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, funny because I think that panicking in any situation in the ocean is the, the worst thing to do. And that's why I brought that up because we're talking about rip currents. We're talking about inshore holes. We're talking about anything. You know, an inshore hole could be so deep that somebody doesn't know how to swim in that inshore hole mm-hmm. and they're treading the water. And that's scary, dude. Like, yes, it is super scary. But if you just learn to just relax, it makes such a big difference. Mm-hmm. It makes totally. such a big difference. Yeah. I mean, the first thing, like if you're panicking, your decision-making skills go out the window, right? Yep. Which can be a very important part to surviving um, mm-hmm. whatever situation you're in. So that's a very, very, like you really want to stay calm no matter what, the best you can. Sometimes it's going to be hard, but I mean, at the end of the day, you really like, okay, I'm a human. I can control what I'm doing. I'm going to be mm-hmm. calm no matter what, right? Were you calm in that situation, Ryder? No. <laughs> were, you, were, were, you, were, were you scared? Oh, no. Were you, yeah. scared? Yeah. Were you were. scared for him, Max? Okay. No, we weren't. I, okay, okay. So the whole time I was like, okay, cool. I don't know what he's doing. He's professional. He's got yeah. this. He jumps in the water. The basking shark then turns, and I just expected it to swim, you know, right away. But when it turned back around to check out Ryder, that was when I had my second guess panic moment and I lost my cool. I tried to keep it cool because I knew Ryder was in the water. And if it was not a basking shark, there was a 1% chance that we were both wrong. Then panicking for him would be the worst case scenario. Yeah. So I tried to keep it cool and be like, that's not a basking shark. Get on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Yeah, he got back up on the boat. But yes, it was a basking shark. He was never in any danger. It's a yeah. living creature that has a mind of its own and decided, hey, this thing's checking me out. I want to check it out too. And yeah. and also, you could have a completely harmless animal, meaning like it's not going to eat you, whatever. But 
the fact, like the sheer size of these things, like it could be completely harmless, but no matter how harmless it is, right? If you're swimming with an animal that's like over 20 feet long, it's going to be intimidating. Yeah, you know? for sure. So like, <laughs> even if you yeah. know it's not going to do anything to you, it can, you can be like, okay, like this is kind of like, this is, I'm not comfortable here, even though mm-hmm. you, like, I mean, it can hit you with its tail or something, but you know, it's not going to go out of its way and eat Hard. you. Yeah. Right. But it's still big, like a whale shark. Like the first time I swam with a whale shark, I was like kind of intimidated. So sketchy. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. big. They're very Gosh, big. Dude, that sounds so gnarly. Yeah. What, um, so for both of you guys, I got like, Literally a couple more questions for you. I'm sorry to keep you going on. It's just so easy to talk to you guys. But um, if somebody wanted to get into free diving and Ryder, I'm still learning. So yeah. I'm going to learn from you guys both and Max too, because even that day that we went fishing, Max, I was like, mm-hmm. dude, he's jumping in this paddy right now. We're like 20 miles yeah. out to sea. This is kind of sketchy right now. But if somebody wanted to learn how to free dive or spearfish, what are some tips? Well, um, I would say find a mentor, someone who has mm-hmm. been doing it for a long time. And that's what I did. And it helped me out a lot because okay. um, they're, they're going to talk to you and you can reach out to them and ask them questions. And another thing would be taking a class, take a free dive class. Yeah. You know, um, those are, those two things alone will definitely get you a long ways. And there's a lot of free dive classes. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Boys. Yeah, I really love mentor, so what he said. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Hey boys, uh, give you guys. Uh, shout out on Instagram. What do you guys have for Instagrams? You you both have Instagram, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we both got Instagram. Um, I'm at midhandle, M-I-D-H-A-N-D-L-E. Max, what do you got? At Maximo, underscore, it's M-A-X-I-M-O-O, underscore. You guys have TikToks or anything like that? Yeah, follow me, Riders on the Storm. You can see some epic, epic carnage on there. I love that, dude. TikTok's <laughs> so funny. I don't have one, but my friends always show me it, so... Hey, boy, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Kieran. Uh, We had a blast talking to you, and hopefully this information helps you guys. Um, So with our years of experience, hopefully it'll help you guys out. Absolutely. Yeah, guys, thanks. Thanks, dude, for coming on, Max. And I appreciate you driving down to come do this podcast with us, dude. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening in to today's podcast on Above and Below, and we will catch you next time. Thanks, Ryder. Thanks, Max. We'll catch you guys soon. Hey, Kieran. Thanks for listening in to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this episode, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. And remember, stay salty.